Well, good morning. Would you stand with me as I read from God's Word? The reading is from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22, if you'd like to follow. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. <laughs> or you can stand. <laughs> but we might talk a little long, so you might want to sit. Anyway, it's very good to be here. Fresno is my home. Uh, Mark lived here, how long did we live here? Five years. Five years. Um, and I have been a part of the Nazarene Church all my life. I went to Grace Church. I don't know if any of you remember Grace Church, but... Um, I grew up there. So this is home for us. So we are glad to be home. Right now we are missionaries serving in um, Asia Pacific. Um, my husband serves as a regional director and we live in Singapore. Um, how many of you know that Singapore is no longer a pirate cove? <laughs> for those of you who watch Jack Sparrow, in um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Singapore is no longer a pirate cove. It is, <laughs> it is now probably the most modern city in the world. It is amazing. Um, skyscrapers everywhere. Uh, we live on the 11th floor of a 28-story building. We're in one of the short buildings. So it's, it's an amazing city. And... Um, that's been kind of a switch growing up in Fresno, being born in Selma. My parents grew raisins, or my grandparents grew raisins, and then all of a sudden I'm in this city. And it has been an amazing journey of seeing how much God loves the people and the people of the city. So anyway, but right now it's good to be with you guys. Um, today we want to share a few stories talk a little bit about what it means um, to be Nazarene, and um, just a little bit about our lives. Uh, they'll get mad at me for doing this, but I can't help it. I'm so proud of them. So I have, we have four daughters, and two of them are here today. Like I said, they'll be mad because you're going to turn around and look at them. <laughs> and they really don't like that. I just told you they don't like it. Um, but they're my bookends. Kate is my oldest, and Alex is my youngest, and they are here visiting with us today. As Nazarenes, and we are Nazarenes, we are part of the larger kingdom of God. We are part of the church universal. We are all believers called to be God's ambassadors. And to us, he's given us some distinctives as Nazarenes, but we are Christian. 
First and foremost, in the Church of the Nazarene, we are, we are Christian. We are united with all believers that proclaim the Lordship of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus through the death on the cross. We are united as believers. We believe that God's divine love is offered to all people, all people everywhere, whether it's here in Fresno, whether it's in Africa where we used to serve, and where my husband's from. That's why he doesn't talk like the rest of us. <laughs> he tries, he doesn't. Or whether it's in the busy million plus cities of Asia, God loves all people. And God desires relationship with all of his people. God desires that we would be restored to him to have a relationship with him. And that's why we do what we do. It's the heart of God to be known and to know his people. So because of this great love that God has poured out on us, that he sent his son to die for us, that we could be forgiven and justified, and that we could then become part of this family of God. Because of that, we should love each other. There should be no walls, no walls between us and other people. We are called to love, to love and to forgive because we are called to be Christ-like in all that we do and say. And Christ didn't allow that there should be anything that ever separated him from the people he loved. First John 4, 9 says, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And that is what he's called us to do. Will you allow yourselves to be vessels to show my love to a hurting world, a lost world, a confused world? Okay, as Nazarenes, we are Christian and we are holiness. Holiness, that's a bit of a scary word. God is holy. How could we be holy? We talk about entire sanctification, and it seems like, okay, what, what is that? Holiness is being totally sold out to God. I was raised in the 60s and 70s. We were sold out for Jesus. We were Jesus, Jesus freaks. And though that was kind of a, a hippie thing to be, we should still be sold out to Jesus. We sang that song about his, that Jesus be the anthem of our heart and the anchor of our soul. Is he? Is he? Or are you still trying to make it through life your own way, doing your own thing, clawing your way, holding on by your fingertips, afraid to let go because you might fall? Or is Jesus your anchor? 
Are you so in love with Jesus that you're not afraid of the rest of the world? And that's what holiness is. Holiness is being totally sold out to Jesus, giving him your all, saying, here I am. Weaknesses, good stuff, bad stuff, here I am. Lord, make of it what you would make of it. Be in me who you want me to be. I'm yours, however you want me to use me. Consecrating ourselves to him, and then by the power of his Holy Spirit, he empowers us to love him as Jesus told us to, with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We want to. Paul talks about that. I want to, I want to, but still. But when we are filled with his Holy Spirit, entirely sanctified, that love just seems to pour into us from all areas where we are so in love with him because we finally realize he is so in love with us, that we are his beloved, that he calls us beloved and he means it. We are his beloved. And in that moment of sanctification, we are so full of his love that we can revel in it. We no longer want to hurt his heart by sinning. We want to please him because he is our loving father who adores us. We're the apple of his eye. And then out of his great love for us, we love like Christ loved. We want to love. We, want, we see need and we want to do something about it. That's what holiness is. Holiness is perfect, which is not without fault. It's complete. Complete love. Enough love. It's that our heart is united by love. We are, we want to love just because God first loved us. So that is what holiness is. It's not anything to be scared of. It's not unattainable. It is just having God's perfect love in our hearts. And so as Nazarenes, we are holiness. In Leviticus 11.45, um, God says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourself and be holy because I am holy. The passage that I read in the beginning said, Jesus breathed on them and said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I don't know about you, but as Christians, I think there's a lot of anxiety about our identity in the world. Can I speak about Jesus in my place of work? Can I talk about the hope that I have? I remember when we first got to Singapore, we were told Singapore is a fine country, is the nickname given to it because there are so many laws and if you break the laws, you get fined. And they like to find you. And there are signs all over the place that says $1,000 fine for this and $100 fine for that and caning for that. And we were really freaked out and, and uh, we're told the proselytization law will just mean you get kicked out of the country, which means you cannot speak about your faith. So great anxiety. How, we are living here. How do we live as Christian people? How do we live as a holiness people? How do we talk about a Jesus that we're, who, with whom we're in love? 
in a context and environment where it's so difficult. And then on top of it all, we, we're a missional people. Our third core value, how can we be missional? In other words, outward focused when society seems to be doing all it can to eliminate the name of God or the name of Jesus from our places of work, our places of recreation. Well, we are a missional people. Doesn't matter what the world tries to say to us. The third core value of our identity is that we are a sent people. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We are a sent people. Sent to serve and work towards reconciliation. We live in Singapore. And we watch, well not watch, we, uh, the news that I read is BBC news. And the reason I read BBC news is because you're not sure how you can read the news here in America anymore because there just seems to be so much division and so little reconciliation. Seems like no one's willing to give in, to humble themselves and to say, let's find the middle way. Let's find a way that can take us into a brighter future. Now, I'm not meddling politically here. <laughs> That's dangerous ground to walk on. But what I'm saying to you is, Paul tells us that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation as Christians. The ministry of reconciliation. And that's what we have been called to do. We are called to worship. This is our highest expression of love to God. Worshiping isn't just coming to church on Sunday morning or whenever the doors open, but worship happens as I lay my head down at night, as I wake in the morning, as I go through the course of the day. Worship is a consciousness of the presence of God and an acknowledgement that He is there to carry us and sustain us and strengthen us. When he breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter, the advocate, the third person of the triune Godhead. That person of God is with us. We are called to be a community who in relationship with each other expresses our thankful devotion to God. Why do we come to church? Because it's our duty, it's our habit, it's our culture. No, we come to church because we love God and we want to worship Him, not in isolation in front of the TV that's live streaming the program. And yes, there are times when we cannot get out because we have colds and flus and thank God for for uh, Zoom and all these ways that we can interact. But there's nothing like flesh and blood. Amen. I don't know about you, but two and a half years of COVID in Singapore with very little human interaction was pretty sterile and hard because we were created for community Amen. to live with each other. 
So I come to church because I like you, and I hope you like me. I come to church because this is where we can encourage each other in person and not just send a faceless little message on an application that says, thinking of you. <laughs> we are community. We are called to love as he loved, sharing his message of redemption and showing his love in acts of compassion and justice. We call to be disciples and to make disciples. That's what it means to be missional. Together we learn and we share how God would have us live in this world. Do you know how to live in this world as a Christian? In the creation, there is no separation between secular and sacred. We, the sacred, enter the secular and are a holy people, a holy fragrance, a holy hope, a holy reconciliation minister. We are called to share God's love. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we read these words. And just think about Paul and his conditions, how constrained he is. Because he begins by telling us exactly where he is. As a prisoner for the Lord. This is a man that knew what it was like to be under constraint. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Yes. It's not just the pastors who are called, but we've all been called, all of us, regardless of where you work, you've been called to be salt and light in that place. Whether you live in Singapore or serve the church as leader of the Asia Pacific region or are preparing for ministry or are a teacher, educated, doesn't matter. We are to be disciples of Jesus. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to be one when you were called. There's only one body, one church. We're all part of each other. There should be no fighting, no disagreement. Yes, we can disagree, but let's not fall out. Let's not be beyond reconciliation. So we are Christian, holiness, and missional. But we also have three other characteristics as a missional people. There are three ways that we have historically done mission. And as missionaries, this is what all your missionaries do in this denomination. We focus on these areas. And as the regional director for the Asia Pacific region of the Church of the Nazarene, we focus on developing existing churches so that these three things that Linda and I have just shared with you 
our identity pieces can be inculcated within every Nazarene, not just as a slogan that you speak, but as a lifestyle that you live. And we resource. We ensure that people have discipleship materials in their language, that they can go to a Bible college and a Bible school where they can grow in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus and able to become effective ministers. And then obviously we pioneer. So as a missional people, this isn't just a missionary thing for global missions, but it's actually for all of us. On our region, we have this little challenge. The challenge is that every church will intentionally start a new church every four years. That seems like a tall order, isn't it? <laughs> every church start a new church every four years. My heart's a little heavy, I must say. And this is no reflection, it's not meant to be negative, but it's just a reality, right? When I first came to America in 1984, there were about six Nazarene churches in Fresno. And we're down to one, Clovis, maybe two. Have we lost the passion to plant churches, to take the gospel, this beautiful message that we as Nazarenes have been entrusted with, to take it as a missional people and to start a Sunday school or a Bible study or something in our places of work. Amen. If we view ourselves as ministers of the gospel led by the Holy Spirit, empowered to step out in faith and confidence, and he's saying do it, then maybe we should give it a try, right? Amen. That's what it means to be a missional people. So as a missional people, I'll just skip all over this stuff. Our missions focus <laughs> around three areas, compassion, evangelism, and education. Education, that means discipleship. That's where it really begins, discipleship. How do we know more about Jesus? By listening to the pastor preach, doing a devotional? Well, it's more than that. It's intentionally digging in the word and interacting with others. Amen. And then discipleship leads to a deeper curiosity and maybe enrolling. As my wife might tell you, she, she's studying to, for ordination. She's a missionary. We've been missionaries for 23 years. She's essentially been a lay missionary. But she loves God so much. She's done so many Bible studies, but she wants to know more. So she's enrolled in Nazarene Bible College to know more. Because there is a Blessed are those who hunger and thirst Amen. for righteousness. Right. When we hunger and thirst. So we focus on education. On our region, the Church of the Nazarene, well, in the denomination, there are 51 educational institutions and 13 on our region. The Asia-Pacific region, 32 countries. Um, we have Bible colleges, we have nursing colleges, we have teachers' colleges, we have a seminary, we have 
the largest Nazarene liberal arts university in the denomination, education has always been a cornerstone of our identity as a people. And when you give to the World Evangelism Fund, you contribute to education around the world, and we give you thanks. The second component is compassion. However, before I talk about compassion, I just want to do a little plug. I did A.W. Tozer's book, Pursuit of God, um, probably about three years ago. I did it as a Bible study with a few other women. And that really did start me on a journey of wanting, desiring to know God, not just as my creator, not just as the king, but to know God in his fullness, to understand who he is, and to know his heart, to know his heart in relation to me. And in the last few years, that has been so liberating to me to know I'm his beloved. I'm his beloved. I look back on my life and I see so many mistakes, but I'm his beloved. He loves me. And Tozer started me in that walk to wanting to walk in this relationship of love with God. So if you have a chance, if you possibly can, put anything and everything aside, do this Bible study with Tozer. It is life-changing. And he himself was such a humble man who walks so closely with God. It's worth it. Okay, back to the script. Compassion. Compassion. What is compassion? Compassion is to see a need and to feel it. To feel it. It's not just saying, oh, shame. Uh, my husband is South African, and in South Africa, it's the little words you say for everything. Oh, shame. Oh, shame. Shame. Everything is shame. It doesn't mean that it is shameful. It's just, oh, what a pity. Oh, 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 oh how sad. Okay, so uh, when I throw out shame, I don't mean shameful. Anyway, point is, when you see someone in need, it's as if their need is your need. When you see someone on the street, and it seems that every time I come home to Fresno, that there are fewer homes for people. The homeless, the tent cities. It's heartbreaking. But when you see them, that you feel they're hurt. There are no easy answers to this. And I'm not beginning to tell you there's an answer to the homeless in Fresno. I wish there were. But I was thinking last night when we had the window open and it got cold, and I was thinking just around, just around the corner, two-minute walk away, there's a homeless tent community. Did they have a sweater last, I mean, did they have a blanket last night? I don't know. What should I do about it? It's a question. Do I feel they're cold? That's compassion. Well, there was a couple, uh, a retired doctor and his wife, that felt that they 
wanted to serve God and they wanted to serve him overseas. And so they began to pray and pray, where God do you want us to go? Where do you want us to go? And they prayed and they felt led to the kingdom of Tonga. It's a little tiny island and it's, it's a kingdom, um, but it's a tiny island. And they're like, well, what do we do there, God? We don't even know this place. What do we do? And they clearly heard God say to them, find my hidden treasures. And they're like, okay, that's totally clear. But they went because they were obedient and they wanted to serve God. So they went and they began to look. So they started relationships. They started meeting with people, talking to people, visiting people in their homes, looking for the hidden treasure. They had no clue what it was. After a while, they did discover that like most of Asia, it is a shame culture. And in this case, I don't mean shame, oh, how sad. I mean shame as in, that's shameful. That's embarrassing, sad. And in this shame culture, there was this belief that if you had a child with disabilities, you were the one that did something wrong. You are the reason. And so what they would do is they would hide them away so that nobody in the community knew that something bad in their past was there. So children with disabilities were put into um, back rooms where they could never come out. They even found some in dog kennels. They were pushed away, pushed aside, barely kept alive with no interaction with anybody, never feeling loved, never knowing the touch of other human beings. They were just pushed aside. And they realized that was the hidden treasure. All these children, they were growing up without love, with no value. So they began to meet with the families who had these special children. And they asked, if we can help you with them, if we can help you to learn how to help them be all that they can be, will you let us do it? And he said, I'm a medical doctor, I can help. So they said, okay. And they began to allow him to work with their children. Eventually he started a center, it's called the Mango Tree Center. Primarily they work with children with cerebral palsy. But they also have a center for the blind and a center for the deaf. And in teaching them how to, and trying to help the children, to educate them, to disciple them, to do things with the children, they ask for the parents to come alongside. It's not bring your child to this and we will take care of them and then come pick them up. It's like, you come and we'll show you how to have relationship with your child. And it was so beautiful to see, to go in, and to see parents sitting next to their children on the floor, stroking their heads, building towers with them, whatever it is that children like to do. But these parents were loving on their children. And that is what God is asking each and every one of us. 
go find my hidden treasures. Because just as I realize that I am God's beloved, that he intensely cares for me, that he intensely loves me, so he loves each and every one of his creation. And he is asking us, will you tell them that they are beloved in my sight? Will you tell them that they're not a mistake? Will you tell them that I find them of great value? There are hidden treasures everywhere. They might be a coworker that you can't get along with, but maybe they need to know that God loves them, not in a trite kind of way, but that God cares for them and that they are valuable in his eyes. It could be the kid down the street who's a bully. It could be the homeless that I've already mentioned. It could be anybody anywhere that is God's hidden treasure that needs to know the Savior's love. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray unto the Lord of the harvest. And he sends the workers. Indonesia, the most, um, the largest Muslim nation in the world. In other words, the nation with the most Muslims. We can look out of the window in our condo and see Indonesia, even though we're in Singapore. How do you convert a Muslim? Well, how, how do you share Jesus to a Muslim? Because Jesus saves, right? We, we, we can do nothing except be the conduits of God's love and grace. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts and Jesus saves as people receive him by faith. So how do we do that? Well, pray unto the Lord of the harvest. How do you, how do you share the good news, the hope that you have with a, a bully or a person at work that is agnostic or disengaged or, or even antagonistic towards you because you're a person of faith or you love them? And you let your light, your life shine. And you pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will give you words and maybe bring an ally to your side. Well, in this picture, quickly, God brings workers. Buddhist monks. Buddhist teachers who were Buddhists, who were teaching in Buddhist universities, who are seeking the truth. When you seek the truth, the truth will set you free. Even a Buddhist the beautiful picture here, a former Buddhist monk baptizing a newly converted Buddhist monk. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. You think you, your friends, your family are too far gone? Nothing is impossible for God. We believe in a God of miracles. COVID-19 provided us with an opportunity in Indonesia, the most Muslim nation in the world, to show the love of God. And where the love of God is shown to a community that is initially suspicious and sends someone to observe you the whole time, you know what happens? The spies convert to Jesus. And then they tell other people that this church 
These people who call themselves Christian, these are good people. Don't be afraid of them. Allow them to worship. So that's what holiness evangelism is. We are a sent people. We do a whole lot of things. But we need your prayers. I'm so happy that you prayed for the people in the, the missionaries in Rwanda. Your missionaries need prayer because we are living in a day and age where we are struggling to procure visas for our missionaries. Governments have used COVID-19 to say, if you're out, you're out. Cannot come back in. No more religious worker visas granted. So we have to be creative. We need wisdom in finding ways to get our missionaries deployed. Those whom God is calling and sending. We have creative access areas, five of them on our region, where our missionaries work in highly dangerous situations and circumstances. Fear of being expelled should they be found, in some cases even imprisoned. Please pray for the creative access areas that you may or may not be aware of. If you look at the map of Southeast Asia and all of Asia, you'll see there's a big gray blob there on the map. And there are several other places where people are serving. And then we would pray that you pray for our Alex, who is here, who we've brought from Singapore because the Singapore government said, you're going to be 21 soon. You can no longer stay here. You've got to go to Fresno, a place you've never lived in, a place you've only visited. So we do covet your prayers. And most of all, we want to thank you for being part of the movement of God. We are the people of God called into this movement as a Christian people, a holiness people, a missional people who love education for it is the hope of the future for a lot of people, a compassionate people and a people who do holiness evangelism. Dr. Jerry Porter once said this, Jesus said, I build my church, you make disciples. And that's what I hope Fresno First Church is all about, making disciples who can be little Jesuses in your place of work. So God bless you. And uh, let me, Chris.